As society seems to crumble around us, we make our way back to the foothills of the mountains. Rifles in hand, we set up our camp, and the light of our campfire filters up through the bases of the pine trees, and above the canopy of needles, we can see the cold stars in the dark night sky. We sit around the campfire, we laugh, we talk, we remember the issues of the past, and we look out beyond the pines into the dark veil of gray mist, and we see the movement, the shadows slumping around the ground, peering out through around the trees. The wild calls for us. Tonight, we talk. Around this campfire, thank you for joining me in the camp of the beyond. This is The Marauder Rises. How's it going, guys? So tonight I'd like to do an episode on uh, getting into the outdoors for newbies. Um, I know that it's been well overplayed, well over-propagandized, the go-outside narrative. So you'll see that all over Instagram, all over um, big pages, big gun pages, big gear pages, um, fill in the blank where it's just like a meme almost at this point where people are saying go outside. And I got to say, whenever I was running an Instagram page, it was something that I would kind of say, except I'd kind of expound on it. I tried to expound on it a little bit more. At the very least now, I'd like to offer some guidance to people who are trying to get into the uh, going out outdoors, uh, getting into more of an outdoorsman lifestyle, outdoorsman mindset. I know that for a lot of guys, especially if you grew up in the city, if you're out of shape, um, if this is just something that you have never committed to, it's it can be really hard. Um, you know, getting into a a uh, you know a lifestyle where you're going outside regularly, or even a lot of guys have no idea how to even get involved in going outside. They don't know where to start, and so I'm gonna give a few pointers today. Um, talk about some things that have been going on with me. Um, and so, yeah, I'll answer some questions. I had some guys in my Telegram um, channel that I said, hey, basically just give me some subtopics, give me some questions to answer um, and to help me out with this. And I can answer some questions that some of the guys threw out at me. So first off, first order of the business, you might be wondering, did Marauder get zucked again off of Instagram? And the answer is yes, I did. Uh, just happened. What is today? Eighth. So it happened yesterday morning, I want to say. Yeah, I think it was yesterday morning. So the seventh, the morning of the seventh. And I know several other guys. Um, Z Actual, he used to be uh, Gen Z Militia. Um, he got zucked off of Instagram as well. And anti-state got zucked off of instagram whole bunch of guys got zucked off of off of instagram am i gonna start another page uh i don't know i don't know if i'm gonna start another instagram page i it's not that i don't want to get out there and spread more of the message of you know being against the modern tyrannical powers that be or getting more people into gun culture or outdoorsman culture responsible 
participation in society or, you know, liberty mindset or moral duty. It's not that I don't want to talk about that on Instagram. It's more along the lines of it's just getting so dang exhausting of getting on Instagram, building up, finding all the people that had followed me at one point, finally building it up so that more and more people are seeing the message that I'm putting out and then immediately getting zucked again within a few months. It's just getting so exhausting. I mean, that was like my fifth page that got taken down and I'm just, I'm getting really tired of it and it's becoming less and less gainful. It was never really gainful for me. Um, It gave me an excuse to get out and make content for people and research more and get more personally invested and I learned a lot from it but I mean it certainly got me out into meeting new guys talking with new guys and uh practicing uh practicing more different forms of craft and whatnot but uh, nowadays I, I don't know if it's it's really worth my time getting back on especially since I have my telegram and I have this podcast that I can just talk about so if you were on or are still on Instagram and you're listening to this podcast, I uh, I ask you to spread the word that my podcast is still going, it's still ongoing, and I, I have a Telegram. So I'll go ahead and I'll put the Telegram, um, the you know the channel and the group chat links in the description. And let me see, I can tell you right now what it is i'm looking at my telegram right now it's https um is that a, the two dots is that a colon or a semicolon i can't remember anyways the uh, semicolon forward slash forward slash t dot m e forward slash the marauder project um that should be the link to take you to the posting channel and then from there you can just find the group chat um, or just comment and say, Hey, add me to the group chat and I'll add you to the group chat. So, okay. Um, and I, I, we are pretty active in the group chat, by the way, I, tonight I, um, on the posting channel, I posted a inform little informative video. They're never super long, but an informative video of me in a mask and with a field shirt on and, um, Alice rigging, uh, showing the, the different how like the, the the ideas the concepts behind uh sustainment gear and how i'd use it to carry like a very large loadout of rifle magazines and how i would reload from it and whatnot so it's pretty interesting um if you're into that kind of stuff i would recommend getting getting in that telegram um and something else you could do is if you know other guys who communicated with me or followed me or any of the above um, would be interested in my contact, please just like send them a, you know, a screenshot of my Spotify, <laughs> of my Spotify channel, or just say, Hey man, um, Marauder's still making podcasts. Like I know his page is down, but you can still go listen to his episodes. So, uh, that'd be appreciated because a lot of the ways, you know, I'd, I'd tell guys that my episodes were out is I'd just post it on Instagram. And even if I were to make a new Instagram, it's not like the guys who, the three uh, approximately three thousand guys um, on the latest page, let alone the twenty five thousand plus guys that were following me on my earlier Instagram page, it's not like any of them would necessarily see it, right? So it, it's kind of it, it kind of comes down to word of mouth at this point. And you know, honestly, I do not mind 
not having a lot of guys see my stuff. I, I would prefer getting the word out there, but I was never doing it for the popularity. Um, I'm just doing it to help guys out because I know um, in this day and age, it's just finding people with like-minded stuff, finding like-minded content, finding videos and podcasts that speak on this sort of thing. Um, it can be hard to do. And I'm, I feel I relate to that, obviously being, you know, kicked off of Instagram, kicked off of social media, having my views effectively just outcast and stuff like that. So I understand. I understand where you're coming from. And I, it's, I'm not trying to make money off of this. Obviously I'm not putting ads on the, on the videos or on the, uh, excuse me, on the, on the podcast. I don't know how long anchor will allow me to not put, um, advertisements on the podcast they might eventually like require us or require me to put um because you know it, it allows you to do this for free so i don't know how long they'll allow me to keep making videos for free without any ads but right now i'm just i'm not making any money off of it and i don't really intend to because that's not the point of why i'm doing this i'm doing this just to communicate with guys communicate with like-minded guys establish a community because that's at the end of the day, our society benefits from that. The more guys that that are involved in outdoors and gun culture and liberty thinking and personal responsibility, the better off our society is. And if I can do what I can to help that, then so be it. I'm going to do it. Okay, getting into the topic of how a newbie can get into the outdoors, right? And so I'm going to start from square, square one. There's guys out there who aren't kind of in the gun community or might be in the liberty community or whatever pipeline that you you use to get into um this kind of like overarching community that we're in right and so i i think you'd probably be very well aware that there's a community by behind the gun industry there's a community behind outdoor skills there's a there's a community behind this uh I guess, rebellious mindset against the tyrannical government. There's a, there's a big community behind that. And so um, there's people from all walks of life that get into that. So people from the city, people from, you know, living out in the rural country, all different types of people. And I know there are guys in the city that are out there that um, they want to be prepared. They want to train. They want to become proficient in field craft and bushcraft, but they have no idea on how to get out there. They don't even know where to start, right? And so they they can do all they want with buying plate carriers, buying a rifle, buying optics, stuff like that. But when it comes to actually taking it and getting that out into the field, they're, they're just kind of at a loss because that's never really been a part of their life. Um, so... What I'm going to say first is you need to develop an interest and that's going to come down to underlying um, cultural values, underlying personal values. So you need to um, gain an affinity, a desire to actually view the wilderness and view the outdoors more than just a means to an end, but actually an end in itself. So. It's more than just those, the wilderness out there is more than just becoming a better soldier, becoming a better operator, becoming a better civilian rifleman. It's, it's more than that. The wilderness out there has a deep instinctual calling to man. We have inside of us, even if you're 
living in the city your entire life. If you get out into the wilderness, you can feel after at first that that feeling of of alien alienation whenever you go out there the the feeling that everything is strange to you and hostile towards you eventually that feeling wears away and you'll discover there's a deep a deep calling inside of us that yearns to go out there to rough it to brave it uh and that's because uh, man in his core was designed by God to be a steward of the world, right? To be a steward of the land. And I don't mean the world as in like the human race or whatever, whatever globalist perspective you want to put on it. That's not what I mean. I mean the wild, uh, the natural world. We were designed by God to be a steward. And so we have an intuitive desire to go out and walk the land, walk along alongside the wild beasts, uh, to brave the natural elements. And so you as a city folk need to wake that part up. And I don't care how you really do it. There's better ways than some, but some of it's going to be exposure. So um, putting on YouTube videos, you know, there's those ambiance videos. You can put those on where it's wilderness sounds. It's it's like scenes of snowfall in the in the mountains. Um, put go go onto YouTube, type in forest ambiance, and I promise you there'll be like huge tons of tons of videos that come up with forest sounds, with gentle music and stuff like that. And that is a good primer to get yourself into it. It's something that you can easily work into your daily schedule. I know that sounds weird, you know, putting on sounds for yourself to listen to, but it's a it's a way to get yourself out of this this mindset of gravel and concrete and get yourself more involved into natural sounds, something that's going to make you more inclined to want to activate your senses uh, to something more natural. So from there, I need you to get more exposed in the wilderness uh, just in general. So whether this be driving out into the wild, uh, maybe taking the scenic route home from work, um, instead of playing video games for three hours straight before going to bed, uh, get some exercise in and maybe go on a drive out in the countryside. Uh, even you guys who live in the city, I promise that you do have wilderness or at the very least rural country available to you, uh, probably within, you know, 30 to 30 to an hour, 30 minutes to an hour drive. Um, I highly doubt that you live so far deep into the heart of a city that you can you this, there's just no way to find f enough free time to escape it right so um start replacing little aspects little moments of your life that are otherwise meaningless with something more meaningful that involves nature so you know i hate on this a lot but like Guys will just sit down. I know dudes will sit down and play video games for hours at a time whenever they're bored. And I get it. I mean, whenever I was a, a teenager, a kid, I used to do the same thing. I used to sit down and play video games. And I would look forward to that. Like whenever I wasn't doing it, whenever I was at school or doing homework or something like that, I would look forward to playing video games. Why? Because it's an escape. It's a way to get adventure into your life without any of the hassle, without any of the, um, you know, the risks 
uh, you can just respawn or whatever, whatever game it is. Fallout, that was a great game because I got to go out into the wastelands, the wild, and explore and collect cool things uh, and just respawn at the, the, the most recent save spot whenever... Um, whenever I died, right? Whenever I died in the video game. But listen, man, there's there's wild out there that you don't have to escape real life from. You can alter your life to be able to escape to this very real place. Okay, so I encourage you, even in your city, there's probably parks inside your city that, I mean, it might not be true wild, but it's better than nothing. There's areas in my city that have been mapped off as parks and um i mean it's like literally you could probably drive around them in a in a course of like five minutes but inside of them they're lush forests that are um more or less uh not really too disturbed by people there's a few walking trails and people just primarily walk down the walking trails and the rest of it is just a forest and almost no one goes deeper into the heart of the forest of of inside even though it's inside the city so look up look into that look uh, into like literally go to google and type in hiking trails near me or go into your your apps map on your phone and say hiking trails there's also a few apps that i would recommend that can bring up um hiking trails near you um one of them specifically is the map all trails it's A-L-L-T-R-A-I-L-S, and that's on the iPhone. Is that iOS software or whatever? Um, and you can use that to look up uh, um, look up hiking trails near you. Something also you can do is at community centers, um, anything that's state-managed. Uh, it's, it's sad that primarily it's just state centers that do this but of course it's going to be them because they have the natural parks parks listing but they'll have brochures uh, of uh, brochures of of um natural parks of state parks of like hiking trails and stuff like that and you can literally just collect dozens and dozens of brochures about uh various hiking trails various wildlife management areas very various um parks and stuff like that so um and then uh, much of this this is going to come down to what you're willing to invest in this, right? And so a good way to get yourself invested in the wild, and I don't necessarily mean monetarily. I mean, in a good, expense, a good extent, it's going to be along the lines of what are you willing to invest yourself in in the wilderness regarding time, regarding your effort, um, you know, is it enough to just go drive in your car and and sit, or you know, and and drive through the country on a highway? No, I don't think so. That's really not getting you stimulated by the outdoors. It's not getting you into a space where you can just learn about the skills of bushcraft or or wilderness survival, or get you physically actively engaged in in the activity of the outdoors. So that's not really enough, right? So you need uh, and not really enough is kind of an understatement. It's not enough at all. It's not even the bare minimum. I'd say bare minimum is at the very least a walk in the park. Um, so, and even then, why would you stop there? So I would look for ways to invest yourself into the outdoors. So, um, 
find specific hobbies that you'd like to, that, that seem to interest you, that are in regards to the outdoors, and start setting goals for yourself for it. So a good buddy of mine, he's been on the show before on the mountaineering episode, Blood Uncle. He is a mountaineering, or he's a mountaineer, and um, he is a rock climber. So he literally works at a rock climbing gym, and he teaches people how to uh, uh, how to scale rock faces, how to uh, belay using a rope system. Um, he taught me, like literally, I went to his gym and he taught me, and. Um, Whenever we hiked, we scaled some rock faces. He's a lot better at it than I am. Um, but a good way to do this is to um, invest yourself into specific kind of like sports-related activities, but they're more along the lines of the outdoors activities. And uh, set goals for yourself and try to make achievements for yourself. So, you know, something that you can hang medals on. Um, even if those metals are just figurative. So fishing, hiking, um, uh, skiing is a great one. Um, rock climbing, uh, camping, that's another good one. So it could be your goal to um, camp in all of the camping sites in blank state or in blank country. Um, I know some countries, they had skiing clubs, especially in Europe, where you earn certain ranks and certain medals based on the distance that you've committed to skiing in a certain amount of time. You can do the same thing with hiking. I know the scouts, the Boy Scouts, I'm an Eagle Scout. Um, they have merit, uh, merit badges and achievements that you can get for hiking certain amounts, skiing certain amounts, canoeing certain amounts. Listen, whenever I was a scout, I literally canoed um, 65 miles in five days. I slept on the bank of a river and canoed uh, 65 miles. I, um, what was it? I swam a, a, a mile in one go. Um, it was called the mile swim. We did it as a kind of like a, a, a swimming class. Um, this was all when I was a, a young, not a, a young kid, but I was a teenager. Um, I hiked uh, about 70 miles at a hiking camp whenever I was a scout in New Mexico, in the mountains of New, the arid mountains of New Mexico. Um, so there's certain, cer certainly ways that you can get yourself time and energy invested into this and it becomes your, your workout. You, you lift weights so that you can get better at these things. You, um, you exercise so you can get better at these things so that you can, um, be a more efficient, efficient hiker. So you can be a more efficient mountaineer so that you can get better at scaling rock faces, so you can get better at uh, swimming in glacier rivers, right? Uh, so you can um, explore deeper into the wilderness so that you can be a, become a more hardcore man. Then there's ways to get your family invested in it, right? So you can, you can um, that can become your new activity is trying to go and find new swimming holes with your kids so that your kids always in the summer heat always have a way to get out into the outdoors and uh cool off right instead of sitting around inside in the air conditioner um 
Uh, you can make goals with your family to go uh, go hiking uh, a certain amount every weekend, and you know once once a um, once a month you go on a campout, right? So that that would be a great goal, a real great way to get yourself very used to living outdoors. Is literally just go camping one weekend a month, and over time you can reduce the amount of gear. And the amount of reliance on stuff that you say have in your car, you can reduce it from a carload of gear that you need to help you camp to um, stuff that's in your backpack. And you can learn different uh, field craft skills in order to um, reduce your dependency on gear. So, you know, impress your impress your girl, impress your wife with your ability to start a fire with a bow saw style, you know, a, a thread on a flexed branch uh pressing down on a um on a on a twisting a twig and uh pressing the twig against a fireboard to get embers out into a bundle of of uh of dried uh, i guess it'd be like a a dried field grass that's what we'd call like a, a bundle of of kindling it would be a uh, whenever you make that nest of of uh, of kindling in order to easily start a fire with coals, um, that would be a great way to impress your girl or to impress yourself. Heck, that'd be so impressive. Um, so yeah, man, it's it's stuff like this, and then the investments monetarily are going to feed themselves into your habits, um, and they're going to uh, honestly be a much better investment than buying video games or a video game system or more stuff for your house to do inside uh the more time you spend outside the more rewarding it's going to be and they these these things that you buy are actually going to be productive the most productivity that you're ever going to see out of a video game is simple temporary enjoyment uh you might remember it in a few years but ultimately it's really going to be a minute aspect of your life at the very least um the, the experiences that you can make out in the wild, especially with family, are going to last you literally your lifetime. And they, the skills and gear that you collect can literally save your life, unlike a video game, which, I mean, might cost you your life if you end up ha- adopting a sedentary lifestyle that causes you to kill, your, you know, kill yourself with unhealthy habits. So basically, this is going to come down to exposure, creating habit, and habit creating a lifestyle. Uh, you need to expose yourself out into the wilderness to the point where you're habitually involving yourself out there in nature, and your habits forming you a lifestyle. So it, at first, it's going to be like any other, uh, uh, you know, regime, a regime that you put on yourself. It's going to be like a workout, uh, workout routine where you're, um, it's, it's a chore in order to do, you're going to find that it's going out there. It's going to cost time. It's going to cost you to rearrange your schedule. It's going to be, you know, you'd like to do it, but do you really have the effort or the energy or the time? And at first it's going to be tough and then you're going to get out there and eventually it's going to form a habit. And this habit is going to be much easier and easier uh, to enact 
and it's going to be easier to make the sacrifices and it's going to be easier to invest money in it into it so that you can actually be well prepared whenever you go out there and eventually it's going to turn into your lifestyle you're literally going to identify with this like i literally identify as a wild man as a man capable of living off the land of living in the land of being able to hike great distances with all of my gear that i need to live on my back um I, I view myself as a, a, a rugged outdoorsman. Um, and I know there's lots of guys who view themselves like that. But whenever you need to boil it down, you need to ask, are they, do they really have that lifestyle? Or is it just, are they in the habit stage? Or are they in just in the exposure stage? And they're just saying that because they like the image that it portrays. <clears throat> so, yeah, you need to uh, expose exposed to create habit and habituate in order to create lifestyle and once you get into that lifestyle phase man it's going to be really hard to to even get out of it even if you wanted to you're going to find that if you end up sitting in front of a tv you're going to be longing to listen to rainfall against leaves or the wind swirling in the top branches of trees you're going to miss feeling the sun poking through the pine needles above you and you're going to miss the crisp the crisp air in your lungs you're going to miss the smell of coffee brewing over a campfire in the morning you're going to miss hearing the the birds as you wake up uh tasting the fresh uh clear water of a stream after you after you sterilize it it's a you know, it's, it's, a, it's a feeling to behold because it's, it is literally natural to us. And we have alienated ourselves from what is natural to us uh, in, for a, a man-made artificial environment for the sake of comfortability. And the ironic thing is, is that out there, is, it can be very comfortable. And it's really only uncomfortable to those who have habituated themselves to this artificial industrial lifestyle. So I, I encourage you to go out and get involved in this. Um, let's see. I think I'm going to answer some questions now from the guys in the Telegram channel. So bear with me as I read these. Okay, so opening up my Telegram, uh, I have a, a message board. I've got the regular, I've mentioned this several times before in the podcast episodes in the past, but I've got the regular posting channel on Telegram, the Marauder Project, and then I've got the chat group, and we've got a, a few guys in there, and guys that contribute and get into little autistic fights on occasion. <laughs> we had like a little... The other day, we had a little autistic fight about um, classes, taking um, fighting classes and gun, guns, uh, you know, uh, uh, shooting classes. And some guys are really into you should spend like a lot of time and energy and, and money going to classes. And other guys think it's a, a lot of classes are a waste, especially if you're already a, a competent shooter. And I kind of fall somewhere in between those those two as you can always look for new ways to improve. You can always look for 
Um, uh, you can always look for you know new new skill sets to learn. The issue is is that as you become a competent shooter, going to regular typical shooting classes is just going to uh, it's going to be honestly a waste of time and money because whenever as as a competent shooter, um, one of the best ways that you should be training is utilizing drills in your training. That's a, that's a good way to increase your competency. And as you become more competent, the drills, um, they became, they become more, uh, nuanced. They become more, uh, as in you should be spending more time practicing bushcraft, practicing more technical stuff. And the drills should be mainly reserved for warm up and whatnot, but your average shooting class, uh, gun handling class is going to be primarily focused around the drills and even fighting classes are going to be very drill based um, because that's really what uh, a range is limited to the, the kind of technical stuff that are better for guys who are already competent with firearms to take are um, you know combat medicine um, if there's like infantry style classes where you're taking bushcraft and stuff a little bit more stuff off the range that'd be great too there's, I know guys talk about in my telegram, talk about fight classes where you're actually being taught how to, how to fight guys. And that's, that's fine to an extent. Um, it's just, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense going to kill house classes, shoot house classes over and over again, learning over and over again, how to cut pies when you can, and by cutting pies, I mean, cutting pie around, you know, a, around a cover, around a, a door frame or stuff like that, learning how to move through a house. You can only learn this the, the same thing so many times before you're just wasting money and you should already be training that on your own or with your buddies on the range. Um, honestly, you should be using classes to learn new stuff so you can implement it in your own training. And it's that the, as you become a more competent uh, fighter, a more competent trainer in your own in your own rights, you need to be pursuing more technical based classes. Um, so something like long range shooting where there's a lot of components that you have to learn um and there it's a, really easy to get caught in the weeds or uh you know in whenever you're training by yourself or with with guys you don't want to become an echo chamber uh, so that you're learning false stuff or you're learning stuff inefficiently but once you become a competent you know marksman a competent sharpshooter the um, I guess the need, the true need to continue going to even the more technical classes diminish, diminishes. So, um, the urgency of need of the, the, you know, the urgency of needing to go to those more technical classes, if you're already proficiently technical or a profession proficient in the technical skills, then the, the urgency goes down. So, um, it's a very nuanced topic, but regardless, <laughs> that's one of the autistic uh, conversations that our guys get get into in the Telegram. Um, and boy, it's there's a lot of guys in there with plenty of experience that sound off on what they've done about uh, certain philosophies that they have. And there's guys with completely different philosophies. Um, we have a guy in there in the Telegram channel that uh, truly believes in. I, I agree with him on a lot, on a lot of this stuff. Um, again, it's going to be nuanced, but my, if you like my opinions are going to be nuanced, but he's, he thinks that, um, a lot of the stuff that you get with like more in-depth camping with field craft and bushcraft, you're better off practicing stuff along the lines of 
well planned, well logistic, uh, you know, well well uh, logisticized, basically camping in a military style manner, then you are spending your money and your time and your effort going and learning to do a uh, you know, a, a weaponized car course where you're learning to shoot out through windows or something like that. And that makes a lot of sense. Um, as civilians, the need, uh, not saying that you shouldn't be well armed within your vehicle, but the reality is, is that you're not going to bust out an AR and shoot out through your front windshield, um, like a door kicker, like a, a cop or a, uh, someone in the military might do in some, this, weird scenario like that just doesn't happen with the civilian even if um, the world claps tomorrow most civilians will not be doing armed patrols in cars most civilians if you you know you, this the if you live in a city and you set up a um and you set up like a security perimeter in your city to cover a few square blocks to cover your neighborhood and make your neighborhood safer from looters and rioters and whatnot it's not really going to be mechanized. It's not going to be in a vehicle. Um, the only r real way uh, you'll be in a vehicle is if you're doing, say, supply runs or something like that as a, as a civilian or you're running convoys to protect s supply runs or something like that. Um, that might be a little bit more practical, but even then it's just like a, you're, it, it's going to be more practical to dismount and immediately start engaging in um, – like a field-based battle as opposed to a mechanized battle. Um, anyways, getting way, way off topic. We should be talking about the getting into the outdoors, right? So um, I'm just going to go through and read a few uh, questions or topic ideas that guys had posted in um, the, mess the messages in Telegram. And you got to understand, some of these are going to be a little bit more advanced to, for a noob, so I'll, for a, a newbie, so I'm going to bring it down just a little bit whenever I mention it, I'll mention it and then I'll maybe bring it down and then I'll answer the original question that was asked. So the first question was, what's the easiest way to die percentage wise and how can you prevent it, uh, say like for a noob, easy and on a budget? So what he's talking about is if something goes wrong on one of your excursions or one of your adventures, what what happens? What is the easiest way to die? How can you better secure yourself out out in the field whenever you're first getting into it? Um, so the the easiest way to make yourself secure, it's not necessarily taking a gun or taking heavy he heavy supplies or munitions or something like that. The first um, security that you should be setting up is a plan that you've established with your folks. So if, if you're, you know, if you're a young, a young guy and you're still living with mom and dad, no offense to you. If you, if you're a young guy and that's all you can do right now, that's, that's good for you. Go ahead and do it. Uh, get away and get out and out in the wild if you can. Um, or if it's your wife or, or your roommates or your friends or something like that, or if you live alone, contact a friend, um, make sure that someone knows where you're going and have uh, have performed a map recon beforehand so you know where you're going you can point to it on a map you can drop a pin on your gps and say this is where i'm going um and this is what i'm going to be doing there and so this means like if you take a fall out there while you're hiking and you snap your ankle and you can't make it back to your car or if you fall and you you bust your head open and um you knock yourself out uh, or if if you get lost out in the woods 
Uh, it happens more often than you think. It, being in a new area, maybe um, not having paid attention during your hike, or maybe you get off the trail wanting to do a little bit more exploring and you can't find your way back. Um, uh, you need to have a plan set up with your folks uh, or with trusted individuals so that they uh, know where you are and if you're not com- if you don't come back by a certain time, um, then they know to inform people and to come looking for you. You need to have call windows in. If you're really going to be gone for a long time, have call windows. That means have established with them before you leave, say, tell them, and maybe ha- even have it written down on a notepad for yourself and for them. Um, this is how, this is like, I'm going to call you every day at noon and you make sure, uh, this to make sure that I'm okay. I'll call you every day at noon and then at 5 PM or something like that. And if I miss my, if I miss two windows, then, uh, send help for me or something along those lines. So there's that. Um, make sure you have enough fuel in your tank, make sure you have enough water and make sure you have a little bit of food on you. Um, especially if you're doing an overnight, uh, I say always pack uh, 24 hours extra food. And if you're, even if you're going for a day hike, um, you know, a freeze, a f- couple freeze dried meals or a couple meal bars, uh, or even a, a emergency ration packet are very lightweight and, um, it can save you in a pinch if you really need it. Um, and you might say, well, the likelihood of that happening is so slim. Listen, even if the likelihood is slim, you turn yourself into a wuss uh, if you end up, uh, you know, going malnourished out there because you, you slipped or you got lost or something like that. And people are going to look at you, even if you did get lost and you have stuff on you to keep yourself safe and alive and, uh, not starving to death. Whenever you get found, people are going to think a lot better of you, think a lot more highly of you, think of you more of as a man, uh, if you're prepared when you're out there than if you're not. Okay. So have water, have food, have rescue devices. So this means you can take, and you don't need to go crazy with this. Maybe have a whistle, you know, so that if you fall, uh, you know, I, where I hike, there's a lot of cliff faces. There's a lot of big rocks um, going uphill on inclines. It's a simple matter to t- have a fall, uh, even if you don't like say fall down a big cliff or something like that. Even if you fall on a trail, it's really easy if you fall on a root, if you fall on a rock, you can easily put, uh, put a rib up in your lung, right? And then you can't shout for help. Uh, and there, there might be people 100 yards away right there, and you won't be able to alert them uh, that you're hurt. So a, uh, a whistle is a great choice. It's lightweight, and you can literally just stuff it in your pocket, right? No, nobody needs to know that you have it until unless you really, really need it. Um, Having a, a good pocket knife and a good Leatherman, uh, as in a multi-tool, can go a long way, right? Um, and then something that I always say is, um, at any given time, have a med kit. Uh, so this is like, you're going to have a, the components would be like a trauma kit, an individual first aid kit, and then a boo-boo kit. So trauma kit is going to be like a stop the bleed. So a tourniquet, some... Um, you know, some gauze to plug holes and bandage wraps, uh, preferably. And so, you know, there's, there's a little bit more complexity to this, depending on how far in you want to go. You can add hemostatic agents in, you can add, um, 
nasopharyngeic tubes, but it, uh, and you can add like a pneumothorax, you know, stabby pins to, so that you're not developing a pneumothorax pressurized thing. If you like say fall and take a rock to the chest and it goes between your ribs and you're opened up your chest cavity or something like that, um, or root or, or I don't know. There's, there's plenty of things where they could happen out there, uh, out in the wild that could leave you injured. Um, and uh, vulnerable to the elements, right? So there's, there's just a general stop the bleed kit. However, I will say, do not get crap in your first aid kit if you don't know how to use it. You don't need to be using a, uh, a uh, like a, a stabby pen for your chest uh, if you don't know how to use it. You don't need to be using a nasopharyngeic tube on yourself if you don't know how to use it, right? Um, and that's not really an excuse for you not to know. You should know, um, but don't be using stuff on yourself on yourself if you don't know how to use it so bare minimum i'm going to say a basic hemostatic agent and there's nuances to hemostatic agents of when to and when not to use it you should look that up even if you need to write some write a few notes down on a note card and stick it in your first aid kit that's fine have some gauze um in there to put in put in holes have some bandage wrappings to wrap around holes uh basic basic how-to right here is um the gauze or the sterile the sterile bandage or i'm sorry the gauze or the sterile dressing goes in the wound right then the bandage or the wrapping goes on top of the wound and that's the the bandage or the the dressing that's generally not sterile Um, a lot of the modern versions are sterile but generally those go on outside to pressurize uh, the gauze or the dressing that's, that for sure is, uh, uh, sterile. And those are specifically intended to be within the wound. And they went it with the outside pressure of the bandage will basically cause vessels inside the wound to not be able to leak blood. They're not intended to absorb blood. That's why tampons don't work as, uh, you know, hole pluggers for for wounds right they're for menstruation of women they're not for hole hole pluggers for wounds tampons absorb but they apply virtually no pressure or um you know uh they, they do not cause blood vessels uh to stop bleeding they simply absorb blood which is not what you want for a stop the bleed kit you want something that will put pressure on the blood vessels inside the wound which is why you use gauze to pack the inside of a wound. If it's a stab or a cut, you literally, with your thumbs, push gauze into the, into the wound until you can't push anymore, which means there's massive amounts of pressure caused by the gauze inside the wound. And then you wrap the bandage around the outside of the wound uh, to hold the gauze inside uh, and to apply secondary pressure outside, right? So you want, and then, then obviously a tourniquet is used to apply on appendages uh, to cut off blood supply to the wound higher up on the limb, right? So um, a good way that you can secure yourself is to learn basic medical know-how, basic stop the bleed, um, and honestly, you could literally learn a lot of this on YouTube. I would recommend taking classes and watching watching it on YouTube. But if if you don't have access to Stop the Bleed classes, literally just look up Stop the Bleed class on YouTube. Um, and then 
I would take a boo-boo kit, which means stuff like ibuprofen, Advil, Mucinex, um, allergy medication, uh, stuff like Band-Aids, um, maybe smaller, other smaller bandages, some s- sterile stuff, uh, moleskin for blisters, uh, sunscreen, um, other ointments, and uh, you know stuff like a, a, a neosporin where it's gonna you're gonna be able to um, disinfect any any area or any wound have something like baby powder to be able to put on um, wet or chafed areas stuff like that Um, lip balm lipstick that's a good thing to put in a boo-boo kit so that's like a very basic health sustainment oh fingernail clippers great one tweezers really good to put in a a basic boo-boo kit so always have a stop the bleed a very basic first aid where it's like not necessarily emergency kit but it's stuff that you might need to say heal yourself with cuts or with sprains or twisted ankles or um, other basic wounds. And then boo-boo kit is um, more or less uh, very minor injuries that in the in the long run can turn into more of a nuisance. And in the far long run, if you contract like an infection or something like that, it could put you out. So basic medical know-how, right? Having a plan at first first off having a plan having an established plan with your folks then having basic medical know-how and then there's obviously this is probably going to become come before uh basic medical know-how and basic medical equipment is just common sense know what situations to put yourself in uh be able to weigh risk versus benefit i i talk about living dangerously and that's great you need to live dangerously um but you need to be able to weigh that with common sense. Uh, if there's very little reward to a high amount of risk, just don't take it. Um, it's not worth losing your life over, uh, over an adventure. But with that being said, the adventure should be a little risky or have some risk involved in it. So you need to, through experience, through study, um, through rational thought, be able to come up with a proper ratio for what you're willing to put yourself through. Um, then there's self-defensive tools, um, being able to get yourself out of, uh, bad scenarios. And I think last, lastly, um, but a very, uh, a, a very good, what am I trying to say? Something that's all encompassing. This is going to be a, a principle that's all encompassing is, the ability to generate experience um, on your adventures so that over the course, while you are putting yourself in dangerous situations or maybe not dangerous situations, but something that could be a little risky, right? You're able to accumulate experience so that what once was risky is now no longer risky for you anymore, right? And so the more you put yourself out in the wilderness, the more you're going to develop into this where you can put yourself in a situation where you might not necessarily have all the tools that uh, you might consider to be a full loadout or you might know how to get by with less or you might be able to um, put yourself in slightly more dangerous situations because you know how to mitigate uh, the dangers within those situations, right? So it's not necessarily that you are 
intentionally causing danger to yourself, but rather you have the experience gained from your adventures uh, that you can intentionally and deliberately mitigate any dangers that exist, right? And this, this is basically become experience, have an experienced perspective on sustaining yourself in, in practically all these situations. Um, a few other tips would be take rain gear, um, take a rain cover for your backpack, take plenty of water, take water purification, take fire starter, like I said, bas- again, basic food, um, and uh, a basic shelter, right? So food, water, shelter, um, defensive tools, and then and this is sounding like it's going to, you're like, wow, this is just going to be adding on top of it. Uh, there's there's going to be tons of stuff. And really, it's really not. Like, uh, probably the most that you're going to have in your kit is probably going to be your medical kit. And at that point, you can kind of dangle it off your waist. Um, if you want to wear like a fanny pack or, you know, what do we call it? A nut sack or something like that. Or even an extra bag that's, that's just attached to your backpack. It doesn't have to. Or, you know, what I do is... Um, I take a big Ziploc bag and I'll stick components of my stop the bleed kit and put it in one of my cargo pockets on my, uh, in my Carhartt pants or my hiking pants and then put that on one leg. And then on the other, other leg uh, in the other cargo pocket, I'll just put a tourniquet in it. And that's a, you know, that's a a great go-to right there because it's like, it's never going to come off of you basically unless you really need it. It's always your pants aren't going to come off of you or you shouldn't be taking your pants off. So, uh, but if you're say you're swimming or you're, you're um, floating on the river or something like that, always have a, a waterproof bag with you. It doesn't necessarily have to be on you 100% of the time if you're trying to swim or something like that, but it needs to be near you so you can treat yourself. Um, what else? Let's see. Other questions. How much water is enough water? This is entirely based on environment and terrain in your locale. So um, your first, if, if you're first going out there, I would say have plenty of water in your car. Um, this means like two or three liters in your car. Um, and I would say have at the very least uh, a liter of water on you. I have an algae of water wherever I go. There, I, in my, my work backpack, every single day, whenever I go to my work office, I have an algae of water on you. That is very basic. You should not be leaving home without at least one liter of water on you. Um, if you can put a camel back on, that's even better. Have a, have a Nalgene, say like in a satchel or uh, in a, in a um, holder on your waist belt, like in one of those uh, old style Alice Canteen um, pouches, and then a camelback or something like that, or a, a camelback with an additional Nalgene in your backpack or something like that. Um, I, but yeah, I, I almost never leave the house. Well, I, I don't, I don't ever leave the house without a liter of water. And if I'm going on some hiking trip, it's not uncommon for me to take two or three liters of water and water purification. This whole, you only taking two liters of water thing on an entire trip. That's just kind of nuts to me because it's, the number one thing that you need in any survival situation is is water um arguably water so um you know you can survive three days without water and you but whenever you go one day without water your likelihood of meeting literally any of your other survival needs it just falls off the map 
being able to do practically anything dehydrated is practically impossible. Just, (laughs) I've gone, you know, 10, 12 hours without much water. And after, like, even if you're not doing much manual labor, going 10, 12 uh, hours without water absolutely rails you. So do not, don't try it. Just take water with you. Um, Okay, keep going. How to not be a spurge outdoors. Not really sure what that means. Um, how not to be a spurge outdoors. I guess that's kind of mean like maybe a commando or a go hard or something like that. Maybe you're spurging on. Let me <laughs> let me look that word up real quick. Um, spurge meaning. Spurge, a derogatory term. Oh. <laughs> it's a uh basically an autistic reference okay um how not to be super autistic outdoors i guess just be a normal guy if you see people outdoors hiking and you've got gear on and they they ask you like hey what is i've had people ask me that like i've had chest rigs on while i was out hiking they're like what is that for i literally just say it's for my equipment i've got some equipment on me and uh like i plan to be camping or doing bushcraft or something like that you can be honest with people and but it's gonna come down to what your your judgment of them is is like if it's a kid asking you hey why do you have i've had kids on hiking trails be like what are you wearing and i've got a i've got a uh chest rig on with rifle magazines on it and i you know that's kind of a weird thing to ask and their parents are there looking at you like what in the heck um have some judgment right and so you can just say something along the lines oh i'm training or um you can be very vague with it and just be like oh this is my outdoor kit or something like that um it doesn't need to be (laughs) you don't have to portray yourself as some wacko out in the woods just because people see you out there there's in other words there's perfectly reasonable ways to make yourself sound that don't make people think that you're a school shooter or something um basic gear for a hike in overnight hike out um okay hike in hike in or hike in overnight hike out so that's going to be a day so um i'm gonna guess you start off in the morning and i'm gonna say have breakfast that morning uh in your bag have a basic lunch a good lunch you could literally pick up package of tuna or a package of salmon package of uh ready to eat rice that you only really need to heat up in a a small pan um on your pocket stove or something like that so mix the salmon and the the rice together or you could do that for for dinner and just have like a basic freeze-dried meal for lunch or something along those lines um so three meals and then three meals the next day and you know i always say the extra 24 24 hours so maybe take a a few meal bars and an emergency ration or something like that um you're gonna need socks boots appropriate clothing for your weather um hiking you need to do uh proper heat management so if it's 
you know, you don't want to wear stuff that's going to make you super sweaty, uh, especially if it's cold. You might be, whenever it's cold outside, you might feel the need to put on heavy clothing when you go out hiking. Don't do it. <laughs> don't do it because you end up sweating through your clothes. And then at any point, whenever you come to a standstill, like whenever you stop to set up your tent or make a fire or something like that, the cold then your your sweat isn't going to evaporate out of your clothing because it's cold outside so your sweat is going to stay in your clothing as moisture and then it's going to get really cold and it's going to chill you to the bone and you're gonna go <laughs> you're gonna have a bad time bud anyways um sleeping bag um a very basic shelter you can go to walmart and find camouflage tarps that are like the heavy duty tarps i have no issue with the heavy duty tarps in fact i have several mossy oak heavy duty tarps that i take regularly out camping they're a little heavy uh, but they're very basic uh, have one tarp for the ground have one tarp for above you do an a-frame or a lane two or something like that and um get some paracord and some some basic stakes uh, and maybe some hiking sticks to stick, you know, stick up on your, uh, on your, your tarps. If you don't have, uh, trees to lash the tarps to very basic shelter right there. And it works perfectly fine. If it's keeping the rain off you, uh, you know, I've done tarp shelters, even in the winter, you don't need to have a super fancy tent in order to go out into the woods. Um, I kind of covered earlier in the, the gear, so Honestly, I feel I feel like this is maybe I'm getting a little bit into the redundancy. Um, so have a good pack. Um, one of the things for me is always always having a fixed blade on top of my Leatherman, on top of my pocket knife. Always having a fixed blade, something that I can baton wood with if need be. Um, and I like to have my entrenchment tool so I can um, so I can dig a fire pit for myself if i need to dig up a little bit for my where my sleeping area i can do that i can dig a um you know a turd a turd hole or something like that whenever i need to go take a crap um and bury my my crap because leave no trace um and i like to have an axe but that's it's kind of i take an alice an alice pack so i can fit all this stuff on it um always have rain gear always have wet gear um, poncho can also make a really good secondary tarp, extra water and cook kit. So always have some sort of grease to cook with, um, a good canteen cup or some sort of, uh, titanium pan or titanium pot is good to cook with. Um, fire starter matches lighter. Uh, yeah, that sounds pretty good to me. A pocket stove works really well. Very basic hiking and camping gear. Um, and of course, having your, your handgun and your holster. Um, take plenty of extra socks. That should be a very basic. Um, there's a question about having intercourse with a female skinwalker. I'm not really going to cover that. You can refer to my skinwalker episode if you like, but that's more about combating skinwalkers as opposed to intercourse. Um, It's a, it's a good way to find yourself hanging by your entrails from the tops of pines. So trying to have intercourse with a skinwalker. Okay, 
I think that's all the questions that were posed to me. So I'm going to wrap it up there, guys. I really appreciate you tuning in. Guys who are new or guys who are, are new to the outdoors, um, get into it, man. This is like one of the best things that you can involve yourself in your in your life, right? Um, the outdoors is so much better than movies, so much better than video games. Once you start going into the outdoors, once you start spending time out indoors with, with your buddies or with your rifle or with your, you know, hopefully with your rifles with you all the time, but with your dog, with your family, it's just a ton of fun. The skills that you learn are, are incredible. And soon enough, you'll find yourself thinking something along the lines of video games, who, or like, I can't even believe I used to do that. Like whenever I was a kid, I used to play video games. And nowadays I really honestly can't even imagine sitting down to play video games except for fallout new Vegas. But I, Regardless, I don't play video games at all. I don't really let myself. So anyways, guys, I hope you're having a great day. Hope you have a good night tonight. God bless. Take care.